Hey, people of the world, and Ken, welcome back to talking to me. I not everybody else isn't. You are. This is the worst introduction I've ever done, and that's saying something. How are things in Kingston, Ken? Uh, uh, hmm. Busy. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> the, the yeah, they're uh, they're okay. It's a very warm day here oh, nice. today. Jackie's searching for something. What like how how, oh. how warm? Oh, like 19 degrees Celsius. Oh, beautiful. Last time I saw it was upstairs. Uh, yeah, and sunny, and it's going to rain tomorrow, so okay. obviously. I think it's supposed to rain we don't, here. We sure. don't get more than one day of it, but it, like, yeah. people are starting to mow their lawns here. So I saw Jackie posting that on Twitter, that lawns had been green for like four days, and some maniac was out mowing yeah. his lawn. I, she wasn't soci- subtweeting you? Some sociopath who only knows what... He- real humans look behave like <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good guess I probably some sort yeah. of replicant <laughs> yeah it's because like literally the grass hadn't grown like it had turned green yeah that's what's happening here same thing yeah but it certainly was like still flattened to the ground so <laughs> some nuts out there mowing and like at eight in the morning too as well oh, good. right good like, so there's still frost a- it, yeah, the, the grass breaks easily when, when yes. you have that. So that's always very important. Yeah, it wakes the grass up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes the grass needs a little bit of an awakening. Yeah, yeah. Here it's not bad. Uh, term's over, which is nice. Uh, well, not te- I don't technically maybe it's not over. It's not. No, yeah. not quite. Yeah, it's almost. But over. we got dramatically less busy because this time around they made like more than half the exams either like take home or remote or there just wasn't a final thing unlike right. December when it was a giant disaster. Yeah. No, we had, I mean, mostly we had a lot of people just go to online exams. So there's yeah. that I had one in person, but not bad. And then the others, I don't do exams in upper year classes anyway. So they were all just um, essays, a couple essays. I, I had to mark 114 essays. That was great. And uh, in case you can't tell, Marge, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, that was awful. But actually, they weren't, I shouldn't say awful. The, some of them are awful. <laughs> some of them are great. And you, you go, oh, boy, you're smart. Um, I think you're smarter than I am. Don't, don't write that down on the paper. But I think this kid might be smarter than me. Uh, but then there's others that make you want to break things. You know, right. um, Hardest ones to mark, by the way, are the, are the C's. It's easy, yes. to mark, it's easy to mark an F. Yeah. Yeah, no, they start, they start themselves, and then you get this middle layer where you're like, eh, yeah, it's like is, is this, this a one a 65? Is this one a 68? Yeah, and it's tough. You know, yeah. It's tough. And I mean, I always make a point of writing what the calendar says. So when someone mm-hmm. does a B, I write good work. Right. When it's an A, excellent. If it's a C, I say, this is okay. <laughs> like I always <laughs> Just because that's what a C is, satisfactory. So I write okay rather than satisfactory. This got George W. Bush to the White House. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. This is good enough to become. A gentleman uh, C. (laughs) It's a gentleman C. It's exactly right. And then there's the Ds. The Ds are not as hard. um, Yeah. Because they're usually, you tried, man, and you gave me something. It's just not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's like when you get, you see a movie that's supposed to say it's supposed to be an action movie and it's got set pieces that an action movie should have and it's got no connective tissue and some scenes are well executed and others are just like disasters like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Co- coincidentally john's watching jack reacher right now um oh. <laughs> I, I Giant man beats everyone up <laughs> i watched the batman last night on the television yeah. uh it was pretty good i liked it i liked it too okay, okay. yeah and it was uh, a good like year one take on him I, yeah i like that yeah 
And yeah. I liked, I, I felt more, more like the original Batman. Like when I say original, I mean, Michael Keaton. So it's not really original. Mm-hmm. It felt more like that than any of the other ones have. And I liked that movie a lot. Uh, the music was different. The pacing was different. It just, it, it reminded me of that because of it being of the reboot and kind of an origin story, but not really a couple of nice nods, yeah. you know, it wasn't, who are you? I'm not, uh, you know, we, we, he got, you know, he did get, you know, who are you? And he said, I'm vengeance rather than I'm yeah. Batman. But that was it's a nice right. nod to the original, I thought. So that was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. Yeah. The only yeah. complaint I could have had is maybe the, like, they had two endings, right? So, really. Yes. You could have made an edit and the end, the second ending could not have happened and it would have been fine. It, it felt to me like this thing could have been a really good four-part miniseries. Yes. And yeah. they could make one every two years, which is basically what a movie is anyway. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. it felt like, oh, that that's where they could stop right now. And that would be a good 65-minute episode of, ba- of yeah. The Batman. And then, oh, yeah. that's another 70 episodes. They could stop here. Um, yeah. It kind of felt like that. And I think it actually might be better. I don't know. Um, but who knows? I, I What do I know about movies? But I, I liked it. Um, I thought they, they looked great. Like, it had, oh, a, yeah. it had a certain look which wouldn't be for everyone, but like it was aesthetically. Yeah. It wasn't just like Christopher Nolan's Gotham is just like New York. Right. And okay. then you have uh, Mike, uh, Mike Keaton one uh, with Tim Burton. Tim Burton yep. And that's a very stylized. It's like, it's a look, right. But it's, it's kind of like the amusement park version of Gotham. Yes. Just fine. And this one was sort of like, okay, we'll make an effort to have a real city that looks really shitty and yeah. to be caught. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's how it felt. That's, that's exactly right. And I, that's one of the things I liked about it. And that's why I liked, like I said, likened it back to the other one, because it had that sort of consistent feel, even though it's a different feel. And I, yeah. I, I liked that. I thought it was different. And I liked the stylized version of it. I liked how I liked at the very end. This is not going to be a spoiler for anybody, mm-hmm. how it kind of morphs into the, uh, the cartoon, which yes. like, it looked like the yeah. Batman cartoon, which I thought was yeah. great. And I'm yeah. not a huge cartoon guy. But I really did enjoy that. Um, anyway, it was good. I think people should watch it if they can. I, I, I thought it was good. Yeah. So that's well, the- now it's, it's on HBO Crave for HBO free, basically. Mac, Cra- Max Crave, yeah. So I only saw it like a month ago in the theater. <laughs> yeah. I've watched <laughs> like it last the one movie Crave. I've been to in like oh, really? three years. Yeah. I don't know. I can't even remember the last movie I've been to. I, I, the I, last, before COVID started, Jackie and I went out. They have a nice landmark theater here with IMAX. We saw... We see in succession 1917, The Gentleman, and Knives Out, and then okay. nothing until yeah. The Batman. And now that it's nuts again, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, I wouldn't be going out to any movie theaters. I don't know if I ever want to go to a movie theater again, to be honest with you. Uh, there are, I think movie theaters are up there with all you can eat buffets, probably places I'm not going to be going to anytime soon. Yeah, they're a little dicey. Karis has COVID. Uh, oh, shit. We've managed to keep her safe for five out of six. Her mom has COVID too. So Mm. she's got kind of like a bad cold at this point, but we're just keeping an eye on her because she does have a a chronic underlying condition. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's so many people have had it. I heard read a thing today. It said uh, probably up to perhaps up to 50% of Canadians have had it, which is. Well, we're getting another burst at work, right? Like we had a burst, like we had nothing, like nothing, 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 nothing. And then January, 2022, a bunch of people. And then now there's a burst this week too. And it's just like, it's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Half our departments had it. Not me, but half our departments had it. 
course, those are the people with smaller kids. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, who brings it home. Um, that's, of course, the one big story right now in the world is COVID, but we're kind of used to that big story. <laughs> um, the other big story, which we're also sadly getting used to, is the war in Ukraine uh, and how it goes. And I think we're going to switch to more movie review segment too. Yes. <laughs> it's, okay. um, it's first of all, it's going differently than everybody thought. Yeah. Everybody except Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> and Vladimir uh, Zelensky, who is this amazing guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, comes they, put a, his t- they put his TV show on something here in North America. It's too. on Netflix. Yeah. It's on Netflix. <laughs> I can't watch it. I, there's no, I can't. It's so meta. Yeah. It's like, I'm looking at this going, and like the ad is like before Vladimir Zelensky became president of Ukraine, he became he president, president of Ukraine, Ukraine in a wacky comedy. No, That's right. no, I'm not watching that right now. I'll save um, this for after the victory. I'll, I'll save this for after the victory. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but he's this ordinary guy thrown into extraordinary circumstances, which is often yeah. the case with people like this, with, with situations like this rather. Um, and one of the big thing that, things that's been happening is that the arms shipments are going in I mean, you can actually, if you look at 24-hour flight radar or flight aware, you can yeah. actually watch flights going into Kiev and going into Lviv um, because, you know, they have to file flight plans. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. That's a giant military cargo plane coming from Warsaw. I wonder what's in that one. Um, that's right. Or the big ones today were big, like Antonov's uh, yeah. flying from Bulgaria, which I guess produces a ton of, to this day, produces a ton of ammunition yes. uh, for export. So they kind of had the supplies of ammunition that Ukraine would need for, you know, continuously having to fire weapons. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know that we have given, uh, oh, what are they called? Excalibur. Uh, I think they're called Excalibur. Guided yeah, they're that. Excalibur rounds for the, the, what, the M177 and yeah. 155 millimeter howitzers. I saw one of those at Petawawa. Oh, yeah. And the guys that were there, there were gunners there who had served several tours in Afghanistan. They actually explained the Excalibur round to us. And it was like, hmm. yeah, we can fire this thing. It's the size of a telephone booth for like 45 kilometers and land it within like, you know, a couple of meters of exactly where we wanted to hit. Oh, yeah. It was, and it, it looks like it's they're crazy. firing a telephone pole. Like it's the gun is so huge. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend who uh, served in the Israeli Defense Force uh, and he said he, he was in artillery and he uh I said, so what do you do? What, what did you what, like? What was your job really? He said, well, my job basically um, was to destroy things anywhere within about a 40 kilometer radius. I said, oh, yeah. okay. And I asked him how accurate. He said, you know, a few meters. Like, yeah. So this isn't yeah. World War I level artillery. No, it's not line up 3,000 guns and hope for the best. And that's, of course, what the Russians are doing. Um, yes. Well, they just, just, yeah. The, the, the strategy now is just to destroy everything along the front in front of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're using the old, well, basically the old, well, World War One sort of, or World War Two even. Yeah. There were some radar-guided uh, firing solution computers near the end of the war, especially on ships. Um, but these Excalibur rounds are really something because um, they're, uh, I think they're GPS-guided, which is kind of insane. Yeah. Um, but I don't understand the physics and I don't have to. The other thing that's been happening, I saw somebody say the other day, um, uh, I can't believe this warehouse that used to house T-72 tanks in yeah. Poland just seems to be empty. What's yeah. the security? So, I mean, stuff's, right. stuff's getting there. And I think a lot of this, it makes me think, in fact, that a lot of these countries, well, sorry, that, 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 that Ukraine is getting a lot of stuff 
Yeah. And a lot more than publicly we've been say, hearing about. Um, Quite possibly. You know? I think the bigger fear is the countries that are giving it up, like have something to replace it. But then if they're just getting, you know, the next set of NATO gear, it's, it's, a bit, it's sort of a, it's a calculated risk, right? Will we get new stuff? in a reasonable amount of time. But on the other hand, like the other part of the calculation is, you know, if there's no Ukraine there anymore, then these guys are right on our border. So yeah. The challenger to Britain sending its challenger twos to replace like Poland's T-72 family yes. of tanks. And that the difference, the fam- I looked it up, the T-72 family, and they've been upgraded over the years, but they were introduced in 69. Mm-hmm. And Challenger 2s are introduced in like 1991 or something. <laughs> and the other thing is, on a, and this is something about Soviet-era tanks, or, and still Russian tanks. 98, the T- they're not that old. The, the, the T-14 even, which is a, their yeah, newest the Armada. Tank, um, yeah. There's something the Russians always have done, and the Soviets before them, which is have an auto loader, which is... Yep something uh, so western tanks have tend to have four people in a crew and one of them is a loader he yeah. or she's job is to put put shells in gun yeah um the problem with an auto loader is you have to have all the shells sitting in basically what in essence is like a magazine in a world war ii battleship yeah um, it's around the perimeter of yeah. the turret so all you have to do is hit the turret and then the turret, then the, the tank explodes. Uh, yeah. And this has been a known thing. I remember going back, thinking back to literally the Iran-Iraq war, uh, hearing about the, the, cause the Iranians were all had American gear because <laughs> they right. from before the revolution. The Pers- yeah. Uh, and yeah, Pershings, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and what's the Pershing? M60, I think. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the Iraqis had T-54s and T-72s and they were just getting the crap blown out of them because, you know, it's, it's, it's like they have a, um, if, if you have the, the ammo sitting there, it's all just sitting. And in fact, there are, it's on the floor even. Um, yeah. So it's ridiculous. Uh, so, I mean, the Poles are probably happy to get rid of those. Um, you know, and I think it was eventually, uh, you know, they were going to replace all those anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Estonia has actually donated, I think it's 0.8% of their gross domestic product in, in weapons. Yeah. Which is yeah, amazing. I mean, I don't think anyone's in under any illusion. I mean, this week it was sort of, I guess, perhaps leaked or unintentional or intentional that, you know, Russia would be seeking a land bridge essentially into, uh, Transnistria. So... (laughs) Yeah. You know, Moldova was like, oh, well, we asked and they're, you know, they're re- they've reaffirmed our neutrality and our territorial integrity. And it's like, OK, yeah. well, just, no one just, else. Just like just like that Soviet fi- that. that Soviet Finnish uh, uh, non-aggression uh, pact yeah. uh, <laughs> that the Russians, of course, break in 1939. Um, and yeah. uh, and the Russians, you know, this is the thing that gets me. I, I, the miscalculations are I hate to use the word epic, but they are. You have, we don't want Finland and Sweden to join NATO. Yeah. But then don't attack other countries. Finland and Sweden, well, we want to join NATO. If you join NATO, we'll attack you. You know, that's what we're, see, I don't think you're hearing us. Well, the line that's been crossed is somewhere along the lines. You're probably going to do it anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. We're now figuring that you're probably going to do it anyway. So why we do this dance anymore? With you. And I mean, they, they put, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, there, there are some troops that have been moved to the Finnish border. 
Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, Finland, uh, you know, of course, they haven't mobilized or anything, but I'm sure there's movement there. There's four NATO warships in the Gulf of Finland right now. But it's also the case that um, Finland, you know, the Finnish Ministry of Defense posting pictures of uh, videos of, of farmers' tractors. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a great set of trolling, right? It's like, right. oh no, really? We, we, we could use some of your stuff. Um, it's it's mind boggling, and I think this has been going on. Like I said, I think it's more than we've heard. We, we've been hearing about, and they need this stuff because it's going to be more of a standard yeah. sort of, you know, uh, armored warfare. I think on, on the, I guess they're calling it the Eastern Front, which is a weird thing to hear. I um, know. It's so weird, right, to hear about the Eastern and the Western Front. and uh, But yeah, the Ukrainians are holding their own, and it's not surprising. And I think the next thing will be they'll probably start getting more planes. Um, they apparently are getting planes. Like some of the yeah. things I've been reading, it's like, no, no, they're getting planes. They're just, we're just keeping it quiet. Who's giving them to them? But, oh, they're getting planes. Um, you know, the planes aren't being flown in. Yeah. <laughs> they're being flown in on other planes, right? But yeah. Yep, they're, they're getting you know mig 29s and stuff uh so yeah it's it's something i don't know I, i've been trying to think about this you hear a lot about um or you heard a lot about rather on star trek the um both the federation and the klingons arming different sides uh mm -hmm. Oh, what was the name of that episode? Uh, but when they were arming them with like flintlocks and all this yes. stuff and it was yeah. it was a proxy war right yeah the Klingons weren't doing any fighting, at least like the Klingons were smarter than Putin. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's like that. It reminds me a great deal of that, except that the, the, the Klingons weren't actually fighting. It was just the, uh, they were, they were bringing in uh, various weapons, different technologies. And Hey, look at this with this weapon, you can do this. Hey, want to try that? And it's not like the Ukrainians are the, let's use the word primitive, uh, more primitive people. Um, like the Russians seem to view them. There's mm. this, they, they have this um, view of Ukraine as being this backwater of stupid peasants. And fascists. And, oh, in fact, yeah, let's just throw that in because the Jewish president's clearly a, a Nazi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's, it's been something that, I mean, countries have been doing this forever, right? You arm the other side. Think about the Vietnam War. It's kind of the opposite here where you have one major power, the states going in and fighting in, except in that case, it was a civil war. And you actually have the Russians and the Chinese just throw, you know, pouring stuff into Vietnam mm -hmm. and eventually Vietnam taking all the American gear. There's those great, uh, well, depending on how you look at it, great uh, video like film of, of, mm -hmm. of uh, North Vietnamese troops and Viet Cong troops rolling into Hanoi or into Saigon and they're like in Sherman tanks and in Jeeps. Yeah. Yeah. They and they're, they're kitted out with American weapons. <laughs> got M1 helmets. Yeah. <laughs> M16 but, rifles. I mean, I'm listening on my drives back to and from work every day to Stanley Carnell's Vietnam history. Right. Or the Vietnam War history. And like, I mean, you know, the difference here is you clearly have a country, uh, for all intents and purposes, sort of like a close to standard Western countries, yeah. it's like uh, IT sector, you know, all the all the things you would expect to find, mm -hmm. and and a will to fight. So unlike 
by the end of the Vietnam War, you you know you do have South Vietnamese fighting, but essentially at that point, America's bankrolling just about the entire economy, like like yeah. and and providing all of the you know additional military support. And when that gets yanked, yeah. it's just uh, yeah, there's not enough of a an identity. Right. That's right. The people like uh, enough people in the South that are, are willing to to fight and the ability and, and have the leadership. And here you have a case where like they were gonna fight and were and knew they had to since at least twenty fourteen when they yes. lost Crimea and the breakaway regions mm-hmm. and just figured this is just a matter of time before Putin decides, oh, I should reconstitute. You know, Soviet Union, the Soviet Union again, or the Russian Empire, or whatever yeah. he wants to call it. No, I know. And, and so it, you know, it's it's not a matter of oh well, we're stepping in and in in you know fighting the fight for you. It's like mm-hmm. like if you want to come and fight, that's great. Uh, it's interesting because if the 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 Russo Finnish Winter War, yeah, there were a lot of Western uh, volunteers who went, but mm-hmm. they were kept away from the fighting. They were given like rear echelon type guard duties to free up Finnish fighters. And it mm-hmm. didn't last long enough for the, like a foreign legion to kind of play a significant role. But here yeah. it's from the get go. It's like the big, the biggest challenge is just not enough weapons. Like there's enough people that want to fight. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's not necessary. Even if all those volunteers didn't show up, there's still more than enough people who are, think, you know, are willing to at least maintain their, um, territorial integrity in their country. And, and you've got a situation, again, paralleling, somewhat paralleling Vietnam uh, and also Finland, where uh, the winter war, where you've got one military who is really big, um, <laughs> but in a lot of respects, a paper tiger, because they're fighting, like the Russians right now are fighting World War II. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, um, They may just they could they could win because of just massive force of arms but for example well, they, had to, when, they had to prop up a world war ii issue right which is neo-nazism well that's right it's not a world war ii issue but like they're basically playing they're doing a bit of a greatest hits to get people amped up for this and provide a justification exactly like i mean yeah. other than that i mean the other justification is the abuse of of uh ethnic russian people in the ukraine which you know you could investigate and debate, I guess, but yeah. really they leaned heavy into the neo-Nazi thing, which is a great reason to pull out the band and you know, <laughs> yeah. and then but have in, your own have your own weird symbols like a Z and then weird rallies. And as my Russian yeah. friend Daniel says, we're now cosplaying World War II, except we're the baddies. You know, yeah. And um, the American army in Vietnam is like like. I mean, it's not like they don't have all the firepower in the world, but they're not going to nuke the joint and. No. That's dumb. Yeah. And they're going to go, you have to go home at some point. Like at least Ukrainians are fighting for Ukraine. It's not like you just transported like most of your active duty soldiers to a, another country where eventually you're going to have, they're going to have to leave. They can't yeah. stay forever. They're gonna, well, they can stay forever if they're dead. And that's, that's what's, what's yeah. happening, right? 21,000 dead as far as Russians are concerned. And I mean, you had in the other thing. Uh, so you have one side who's fighting the, strategically and tactically the an old war but they also use methods that are bizarre uh, the ukrainians used to use those too until in 2014 and they got you know they had quite a few setbacks and they got completely retrained and you know western mm-hmm. training including 
the Canadian Armed Forces. And a lot of their logistics and, you know, armies run in their stomach. It's Napoleon, right? Um, And the Russians, and I kid you not, unload and load artillery shells by hand, one at a time, off of trains. Yeah. The Ukrainians do it with forklifts on pallets, because that's what a a non-idiot would do. Um, So, I mean, like if you're you deal with carrying great big, you know, I mean, yeah. in, in, in archives, like just these huge things. Yeah. It must be the case that at some point someone said, you know, we could automate some of this or we could use a machine rather than carrying individual pieces of paper up and down stairs, right? Well, that's just the thing in looking at a new building for us, like for archives and special collections, like we need a building that either unit are in, they don't have loading docks, right? They don't have a yep. proper loading dock. We've got only elevators for like, and they're old elevators or public elevators for a limited number of people. Um, ideally you'd build a slab on grade vault and you'd have like a, you'd have a record center, right? The, you'd go, you wouldn't even have to build floors. You could build four story high sh- shelving yep. with pickers. Like everything's barcoded and you just send the picker up to pick up the right um, pallet of stuff, mm-hmm. bring it down, decant mm-hmm. what you need. And yeah, then just bring whatever you need to the reading room. I mean, yeah. Right. So this is, uh, and this we're is... all getting older together. All of us in the archives are put the same age. <laughs> we, we, we're shying away from like full-size banker's boxes at this point. Say, well, let's buy the half-size ones. It's just lighter <laughs> to carry. And I mean, this is, see, this is the thing where, it's the Russian army hasn't learned anything. It seems um, now the difference is, of course, because they had never fought an enemy that had Western backing. No. Um, the, the Syrian Democratic forces had some Western backing, but they weren't nearly the size of a modern no, no, no military. No. It was a it was no. a ragtag group, right? Yeah. Um, and the same thing, the Chechnya. I don't think anybody backed Chechnya. Um, those poor folks. So, you know. Um, and even then the Russians had to go back like twice, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they have, now I don't know what this comes from. I don't know if there's no care about individual soldiers. Um, you know, you think about that, the American approach, which has basically become the Western approach ever since the Gulf War, which is the Powell doctrine, which is we go in when we know we will win. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have massive amounts of troops and you have, you know, combined operations kind of things going on and you will win. And you know, somebody's going to say, what about Iraq? They won or the Iraq. Afghanistan. They won those wars. It was the peace they didn't win. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Enti- entirely different. Unfortunately, thing. those two things are two sides of the same coin, oh, right? No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Um, but major combat operations, they don't, the Russians, I mean, the Americans can win those things. The Russians don't seem to be thinking. They seem to be thinking it's World War II. Just throw yeah. waves and waves and waves of people. Uh, and they seem to have lost the idea that in World War II, the country that invaded the other one with waves and with people, um, they were the bad guys and also they lost. <laughs> well, and there was, there was great talk that, and I think some of it did happen where, you know, Russia looked at its performance in conflicts going back to Afghanistan, but also in the first invasion of Chechnya and that and said, Oh, well, we got to do something. I just, it doesn't feel like of course that those reforms accomplished a lot on a great scale. They still rely heavily on conscripts. And there's still the question as much as Ukraine got slammed, like 
its application to the EU and things like that were delayed because, oh, you have to deal with this corruption issue. Although, ironically, a very corrupt U.S. president was trying to strong arm yeah. them to be corrupt. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's no quo. No, no quo, no quo. There's no quo. I love uh, quo. Anyways, quo but, is my favorite. These are the best. They're not, not so corrupt yeah. that they don't handle their military logistics you know, by yeah. having like individual things just fall off, uh, you know, the supply supply train and end up on the black market, which is, seems to be what happens with a lot major of stuff. Russian military operations. Like, they, I was watching a video where they pulled apart one of those um, their their lightweight UAVs, the Orlans, mm -hmm. and it's all like this is like a Canon EOS camera. In I know, it. I know. Um, it's all just kit, like uh, uh, it's like just kit bash, but it's all Western parts. Yeah. And but they were saying that this thing is like two hundred thousand dollars, and it's like there's not two hundred thousand dollars worth of parts there. No, there's so about, someone there's about two thousand dollars worth of parts in it. Yeah, yeah. So someone made hundred and ninety-eight thousand dollars selling yeah. it to the government. Yeah. So what? It's terrible. So what I will do is take this and they will make yacht. Um, it's like a Potemkin. Oh, it really is supply chain. It, it really is, and it's. So this is what's happened, and they've reverted to doing what has been the Russian playbook uh, since forever, which is um, uh, war crimes. Um, you know, and it's funny because you know there's there's a there's a certain level of I don't know what's the word I'm looking for irony in in in, in talking about war crimes because one could make a point that war is a crime, um, and in fact under uh, the UN Charter, it now is a crime, right? It has been since right. 19, was it when the UN Charter is 52? Uh, yeah. And that's that, uh, you know, you can't use war as a means of uh, solving global con uh, global uh, conflicts. You you can defend yourself and no one you, mm -hmm. right to do that, but you're not supposed to do this. So you could make the point that all wars are, and that's fair, but there's a level of and the world has thought about this over the years. Uh, I took some looking today because I, when I saw that this um, thing came across, I follow a whole bunch of Eastern European news sites on Twitter now because, of course. Yeah. Uh, and there was a Russian pilot who was shot down uh, in, in March. Uh, his name is Ale Major Alexander Krasnoyartsev. I'm probably really buggering his name, but frankly, I don't care because uh, A, he doesn't listen and B, I'm not really a fan of this guy. Uh, and uh, the amazing thing about there's there's the technology angle is there had there were videos posted of him by the Russian Ministry of Defense years ago, a couple of years mm -hmm. ago, getting talking about doing raids in Aleppo. And those very raids are ones where, you know, hospitals were purposely bombed. Um, so these videos exist on YouTube and then they capture this guy who, while he's being captured, shoots a civilian who was coming after him to, you know, subdue him with a pitchfork. So, we, so he shoots him. So that might be a war crime there. Um, mm. it's, uh, you know, uh, he kills this guy. Like, he didn't just shoot him in the leg. He killed him. Now, uh, he's going to be, according to the uh, prosecutor for Kiev, he's going to be uh, tried for war crimes, though there is no indication yet as to where or what tribunal will try him but it looks like there's you know he will be the first person that will be tried so i thought who is the first person tried for war crimes so i, I looked and it's some guy named peter von hogenbach uh who was a 
despot in the 1400s and in the Burgundian Wars, there was a revolution, not a revolution, uh, an uprising, I guess we'll call it. People didn't say revolution back then. Uh, so an uprising against his rule and a bunch of his soldiers, um, you know, just killed a bunch of civilians. And he was actually tried for war crimes. It's the first time it's been done. It was 1434 or something to that effect. Um, now, you know more of like Roman history and stuff than I do. Was this ever thought of? Did the Romans ever think of, no, you don't kill the civilians? I know they like, they, 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 they basically did an Aleppo to Carthage. Um, yeah, the Roman way war is pretty much total, and they are not also not afraid to throw endless amounts of dudes at a problem. Like they kept losing entire navies in the the Punic Wars because Carthaginians were so much better on the water. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they tended to do uh, pretty huge bloodlettings when they're taking over a territory, or and of course selling tons of people into slaves, like Caesar. Yeah. And, and others like him make tons of money, like so much, so many slaves on the slave market after the fall of a call that the price essentially just drops. Like everyone right. can buy a slave at that point. Right. You and, you know, it's you and slavery. I mean, of course, the Romans are quite chauvinistic about being Roman, but they do extend Roman um, citizenship over time yes. to more and more people until basically everyone's quote unquote a Roman citizen rather than, mm-hmm. say, an ethnic Roman yeah, but like the Greeks tend to not have necessarily race-based slavery. It's just like uh, you had some unfortunate thing, like you're in debt, or you were born a slave, or we conquered you and now you're a slave. Like that's where you get all those clever Greeks yeah. in uh, in Rome, right? They're all slaves. They're all slaves teaching rich kids. <laughs> yeah, um, rhetoric or being advisors or like bank, personal bankers or major domos or whatever. They get you know come quite wealthy, not obviously all of them, but all the ones that are sort of famous in, in or satirized in, in Roman literature. Yeah. Certainly there's all sorts of just common people being enslaved and treated brutally and worked to death in silver mines or in other forms. Of course, the Romans had factory systems essentially for different kinds of production. Yes. And, and, and it really depended. Ancient I mean, states if, did too. If, if you're running... Um... Uh, what's what I'm looking for? If, if, if you're like one of these teachers or advisors, you've got a cushy-ish life. Like yeah. you, now you have no freedom. You're a slave. You're so still a slave. No one thinks it's good. Don't misunderstand yeah. me. But you're not going down into a copper mine or a silver mine where you're literally never going to see the light of day again. Yeah, um, your life yeah. expectancy is short. Yeah. Or some uh, other kind of backbreaking labor, like just, you know, you're disposable. Yeah, especially if there's a lot of slaves on the market. It's, it's, I mean, you know, there's an investment, but yeah, it's so. Yeah, the, the too long didn't read is the Romans, especially in the Republican area and even the imperial era, if they needed to send a message, right? Yeah, they would depopulate whole areas, and, and, and which is, I mean, you think about it, that's what the Russians are doing. Zelensky today said he figures their estimates are five hundred thousand people have been deported. Yeah. And yeah, oh, yeah. These, like, I don't, That's what like about. filtration centers. Like, yeah. Wow, what an interesting uh, phrase to be coined. Yeah. But uh, it's really gross. It's so gross. And um, the only the, the, one of the differences here, of course, is that the Iranians are able to retake territory. Can actually do like yeah. you see police coming in after in Bucha yeah. and uh, Erpan and other places, and actually like. Or when there was that missile strike of the people waiting 
to be evac'd on the train. Um, they came in and bagged things up, tagged it, did the crime scene investigation exactly. stuff with the thought that we will eventually have a there trial will be, for this. There will, yeah, exactly. The idea of like a judicial, be, yep. normal proceeding. See, they're, they're behaving like a Western government because they're a Western government. <laughs> There's a very good reason they behave like that. And you know, well, the, it's I, just, yeah. it would be easy to devolve though, right? It'd be easy just to oh. be, and there's been cases of apparently Ukrainian soldiers committing war crimes too. Oh yeah. It'd be easy, but like the whole scale of what Russian troops seem to be doing, it's just, it's across the board, even if there's no officers around to like set a bad example, everyone's grabbing stuff. You know, taking well, the amount stuff, of stuff they've stolen is is you know washing yeah. machines, televisions. Uh, I, I saw just, a thing. Should just put new washing machines at the border. It says free. Yeah, free washing machines. Go home. Everyone would be too busy taking washing machines. There's is a is a an American um, uh, foreign fighter in 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 um, oh yeah Ukraine I that, that, that I yeah. that I that I follow, and he was showing he was there's a video of him taking. He, he said, "I thought this was some armor." And it turned out to be a MacBook Air that someone had <laughs> one of them had just slid into their their tunic, you know. Right. It's, they're basically just raping the country, and I mean, also yeah. just literally doing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, there's also that, and the difference I think is that I'm not saying that w- nobody would deny that the Ukrainians are doing. It. I've seen video of them executing prisoners. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just not nice to watch. On the other hand, it seems like it's policy on behalf of the Russians. Where with the Ukrainians, yes. it's more like it's more like the Milai massacre. Not that I'm defending William Kelly. No, but <laughs> no, um, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. If it, even if it's not official policy, it seems to be standard operating procedure. Well, if you're setting right? up camps to deport people, I think it's yeah. you know. So that, but I just think like when you roll into right. a town and then you brutalize the population, it just seems to be standard operating procedure, if nothing else. Exactly right. So this is what's going on, and. You know, the idea of, I don't think that has ever been thought of as good in the last, as, 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 as okay in war, you know, the old saying, all's fair in love and war. Has this ever been thought of as being fair? There's a time we talked about the Romans, but um, the idea of really targeting civilians, it was a gray area until after World War II. I mean, yeah. you know, um, after well, World War II, people went, you know, a lot of people who weren't soldiers, sailors, or airmen died for because we bombed cities. So maybe we should stop doing that. And it's, it's become a thing where you don't do that, right? But on a, even on That's a higher level, like there's Russian politicians in the Duma saying, well, I'm surprised we see these people at these filtration uh, centers or whatever being interviewed, right? It's being put on the TV. Yeah. And they, they don't speak very good Russian. We're going to have to get all the ukrainians to speak russian like that kind of erasure is just casually talked about it reminded me because this is tangential convergence Um, indeed uh there's a great canadian fantasy writer guy gabriel k he started Mm -hmm. out helping christopher tolkien edit the silmarillion that's sort of his but he's he's a fantastic writer he's in canada uh uh, his first set of novels are uh, based on a group of students who are at u of t Talks about Philosopher's Walk. It's like, it's great. Anyway, he's got another nice. called Tugana, which is kind of based in his sort of fantasy version of the earth. Mm-hmm. Tugana is overrun by like two contending armies. But at one point, the there's sort of a, a country where a lot of city-states never could combine, but they still okay. have a strong identity. 
so of course there's magic and stuff too so they uh reminds me a lot of uh renaissance italy like okay they get overrun and they kind of because they can't pull together right and uh at one point though one sort of resistance movement kills the the kid i think i remember this correctly a kid of one of the invading emperors and he's a powerful magician so he makes everyone forget as as um payback he casts a spell makes everyone forget the word tagana which is the name for the country so they can't remember every if they even if they remember it and they try and say it they can't say it okay they're prevented and there's like one time a year i guess like there are those who remember can actually say it out loud so the whole novel is like a bunch of point of view characters but it's like also underpinned by the current resistance trying to like break this spell right and recover their identity and i think of all those countries that were subsumed under first any kind of imperialism russian imperialism and soviet empire and like sometimes and how the idea of like pan-slavism really means well one country is a lot of bigger is better than the rest any, of you pan anything means there's going to be a first yeah. among equals when you think about yeah, that and, and that you've eventually got you really yeah really you know you really should be embracing the language literature the culture of the dominant uh group yes. in that pan group yes yeah so i was just like just you know casually right. the duma saying oh these people they don't speak very good well and of course the other other thing it's like i mean and we both know about this stuff a bit even though we're a couple of white guys is you know the the residential school situation which you know that was literally attempting to erase a culture and almost a bunch of cultures and almost did it and some probably did i guess i don't know we had um librarians from Uppsala university come and visit and so in special collections we've been trying to acquire indigenous language materials that are as part of the special collections especially those the most germane to the area around Queen's University. So sure. Iroquoian language, okay. uh, Anishinaabe, Moen, Cree, uh, just because we do get some students from there. There's a strong connection actually between Queen's and um, the Anishinaabe on Manitoulin Island through one of their teacher's oh, programs. I didn't know that. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. That's There's cool. a huge connection there to the ATEP program. Uh, anyways, so trying to explain like, the the librarians from Uppsala, we had a couple of Cree language texts out. So they're written in syllabic. So it's like, what is this language? I said, oh, this is this is a complicated answer. So this is written Cree yeah. in a language like a, an alphabet system designed by a white person yeah. <laughs> to help write their language down because it wasn't written down um, using symbols that would more perhaps accurately reflect the sounds. Uh, but really the idea here is you have to understand is that language is being set down with the help of indigenous people, right? in this case, Cree people who aren't being acknowledged in this book at all, like they're just erased. And then that is used by missionaries to teach Judeo-Christian teachings. And then eventually to bring all those kids to residential schools where they're cut off from their parents year after year until they're adults and over several generations. But while they're, at those schools, that language that these missionaries did so much work to, to capture and co-opt, they then take that language away. So this book represents a weapon. Although we can use it now to help revitalize language potentially, it has to be like it has to be stripped away all, all like we have to work with our partners to strip away all this extra stuff that was this is a bullet, right is what it is in word form. 
and uh, it, it's so so. The short answer is it's Cree. <laughs> <laughs> That's the short answer. The short so, answer, long answer is how much time, how long are you visiting from Sweden? Because this is going to take a bit. Did the yeah. Swedes have anything comparable, like, I don't know, with the Sami people or anything like that? They but, would have some stuff like that, but I just felt like it wasn't really. It's different. Yeah. The same kind, or there wasn't the same awareness there of, of right. what we we're trying to do. Right. So. You may have heard me it was taking, interesting. Right, I was typing like, oh, something wait. there. This book is yeah. a weapon is the title. I'm just letting you know because okay. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, yeah. I mean, and this is exactly what they're doing, right? They're, they're attempting to completely erase a place. You know, Putin has said yeah. it's not a real country. No, um, no. They're just, they're just different Russians. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's like, it's like the Turks talking about uh, uh, Kurds. They're mountain Turks. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Just mountain Turks. Our cousins, the mountain Our cousin, Turks, the mountain, yeah, who we're, that we're you know, continually wage war. Trying to kill. Yeah. yeah. Because we don't, this is something to me, it is so foreign, that kind of thinking that, like, it's so bizarrely foreign to me. I can, there's a lot of things I can imagine. That's yeah. not one where I can look and go, those people should be more Canadian. This doesn't come, doesn't register with me. And I know I people know. Think, thought like that. Again, residential schools um well even, a lot now, of even when you you see certain elements of our society mm-hmm. feeling that certain canadians aren't real canadians because yeah. they're not you know quote unquote old stock whatever like yeah. like none of us were here before no. like no. who's really old stock other than the people the first people who were here yeah so like this whole thing well and i don't think they're talking about back, them no they're not <laughs> but it's just the casualness of that statement yeah. like I'm old stock, but I'm this, you know, middle-aged white dude whose great-grandparents came here like less than 150 years ago. You're old stock. Like, are you, you know what? You came here because your ancestors were looking for a better life. Yeah. You're not, you're, you don't, you weren't from here. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's true of a lot of people everywhere. That's true. Yes. And, which is fine. Just don't go around pretending like you're the See, old this is, this is this is my thing, actually. <laughs> it's like we all come from somewhere else unless you live literally in the cra- in, in, in like the um, uh, there's a there's a part of Uganda <laughs> where people started. Yeah. Unless you're li- you live there, um, you come from somewhere else. But don't go around saying, well, this has always been mine because it's not, buddy. <laughs> like, it's just. Anyway, uh, yeah. and I've had these discussions, and I'll tell you something. For the most part, everybody I've talked to, no matter what their ethnic background, says the same thing, which is, "Well, yeah, of course." <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's that's the reaction I always get, no matter if I'm speaking to an indigenous. You don't person. have to make yourself feel better by pretending you no. like the er, inhabitants of a place where you're clearly like your great, yeah. you know, your grandfather came here. So, yeah, when you can literally find documents that say, well, he came here in 1914 from here. Well, then that means yeah. you're not, for, that, and that's fine. Yeah, and that's fine. Just don't, just don't please create bullshit and then believe it. And then, and then is, tell everyone else you're bullshit. And this is what's <laughs> happened again, going to circling back to Russia. This, it's like he's saying he's believing everything he's telling himself. And this, you know, um, and it's the same thing that you, if I, again, thinking back to 
uh, Day of the Dove, which is a, a great Star Trek episode where you know yes. you've got you've yeah. got the uh, uh, that that entity that shows up on the Enterprise and makes the Klingons and the and the uh, Earthers. I love when they call them Earthers. Yeah. I think it's great. Um, <laughs> fight uh, with swords, right? Yeah. And then when they capture some people, and then uh, you know the the uh, Klingon um, the, the woman soldier. I forget her name. The only one I remember of that is Clang. But um, and, and she says, "Well, I know what happens." with the, these Federation uh, re-education camps and all this stuff. And see, she believes it. Yeah. And like, this we is don't the even, thing. Yeah. We don't have those. No, those aren't <laughs> a thing. Can you show me where on the satellite things the camps are? This yeah. is exactly what's happened here is the average Russian. And my friend Daniel has, you know, because now and then he posts these things yep. on Facebook. And I read them and they're very, you know, sensible the last one he did was just like this is just a bad idea economically let's even ignore the morality of it yeah this is really stupid and then he was telling me because i mean i just i can just click translate but he was telling me comments of people and he said these are educated young people these aren't stupid people these aren't you wouldn't pick these people out as going oh that guy's one of those zed people but people just saying things like well you're not patriotic and they're nazis and it's like but what um so a lot of people buy into it and that's part of this. And then when you buy into stuff like that and that people are less than you, that makes war crimes more likely Yeah. because you see people as not like you. And I mean, I don't want to talk about the Stanford prison experiment because it was garbage. I know, but, but, but the, I let's talk about the banality of evil, right? Let's talk yeah. about exactly all it takes is like everyone just to go along with it. And then right. you want to think about the Ash line experiment where you have three lines that are, you're, you're told which, what you're asked, which one is the longest and then there's uh clearly one that's the longest and when you say it's the one on the left and the other two people who are stooges say yeah. no it's the one in the middle and after about two or three trials you start mm -hmm. agreeing with them um and all it takes is three people there's no there's not no, no advantage to having a fourth per a fourth stooge once you get to the third that's the magic number that's, you're in the shemp territory at that point right yeah like, I mean, just the lesser stooges. There's this, there's the greater stooges and then there's the lessers. That's another possible title. The lesser stooges. Uh, maybe I'll see if I can combine those ones. But yeah, and this is, this is what happens where, and then people start believing it. Because one of the things yeah. that happens, and this is a weird thing, and I was literally talking with Steve Pluchier about this on uh, Sterling Cooper, David Steve, a podcast about Mad Men you might want to listen to the other day, which is that cognition follows behavior. Not right. behavior doesn't follow cognition. It literally works exactly the opposite to what we think. So we tend to think that sensitivity training works. We tend to think that all those things do something. And what actually works is here's a rule. Don't do that or you're fired. Um, yeah. <laughs> that works really well. She'll control your behavior just fine. <laughs> and the, the thing is, you, then what happens is there's this process yeah. that isn't available to, 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 to consciousness that happens, which is, oh, well, I'm nice to these people that are different from me. They must be okay people. Yeah. So what happens Why the else other would way? I be nice to them? Why else would I be nice to them? I would so only be nice to good people. So because that's called the yeah. just world hypothesis, which is a yeah. whole other thing. <laughs> but that happens, and it can happen exactly the other way. At first, because yeah. when you do the actual line experiment, people don't perceive that line as being not the longest line. They know that the people are wrong, but they go along yeah. because they don't want to cause problems. But if you do this enough, you start thinking. Well, like, like, again, this unconscious process is like, well, I guess these people are less than me. So it's okay to take their washing machines, rank them and kill them. Yeah. You know, and this is what leads to war crimes. Um, and this is what leads to when you hear the people um, 
uh, from the My Lai massacre, the talking, yeah. when you hear Callie see, read some of his testimony, that's what they saw them like. Yeah. Um, and when you don't, but it makes have, it easier yeah. too that you, when, you know, the day of reckoning comes, like yeah. know, people in German cities being marched through concentration camps, they started, starting point was they were told a certain thing. So they started acting like that. Yeah. Yeah, so they can right. revert back to, well, we were told. Right. Exactly. I was just following the, the rules. Did, yeah. The government said this. It was, you know, it's like, but you reinforced that. Yeah. Yeah. By, by you know, suddenly not uh, being yeah. nice to your Jewish neighbor or. Yeah. Because you, going, someone who lived beside you your entire life, yeah. maybe like when you were hard, uh, down on your luck uh, during the depression, they gave you an extra loaf of bread or. Yeah. Your kids, your kids played kids together piano lessons yeah. or whatever. And then suddenly after all of that, they're like some secret cabal out to destroy your country. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. And th- this is it. So this is what happens. And, you know, um, there's a lot of uh, people question Hitler's willing executioners, yes. that book, but yep. there's, there's also a, some truth in it. Um well, there's a, a lot of truth in if you get people to the point where they're kind of allowed to believe bullshit, like if yeah. there's something they really want to believe, yeah, and believe- there's no, like you said, like with the rule, like if you do this, you're fired. Yeah. Under our old norms, say around politics in Canada, there's certain things you just don't do, right? And there's certain ways you behave. Like if you just do something, you get caught out on it, you resign. Like you, you do, right. and we we don't do those things anymore. It's like we have a, ma- a major party candidate besides saying he's running for prime minister, which isn't a yeah, thing, which is doesn't really work yeah, that way. But Cause fine. that means you and I are as well, but yeah. which we'd be better. I'm just saying well, he attacked the, couldn't bank be of, worse. You know, he attacked the, the bank of Canada, which is something you're, you don't do. Like yeah. it's just weird and bizarre. Yeah. And those of us who follow rules are like, yeah, but what? And yeah. this is, it, it's all sitting on a very thin veneer of people following rules. And this is, again, the thing going back to, 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 to Dan, who I'll be having another episode of uh, my Nuremberg, which is going to be the name of the podcast eventually, mm. when I eventually get a website for it, uh, maybe this week. Um, and he, he's been talking about how he keeps saying, so then this happened and this happened. Would you leave your country yet if that happened? And I'm still like, I don't know. I don't know. We got up to the invasion of Georgia and I go, yeah, that's when I leave. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's now we're just taking other people's countries. No, that's not. I cool. live, I live in a, in an evil and deranged yeah. failed state. Yeah. And as, or as he calls it, uh, what's he call it? North, North Korea, North Korea part two. Uh, and that's right. what's going to happen. Putinistan. Putinistan. Oh, I like that. I'll be, I'll be using that when I talk to him tomorrow. Putinistan. He'll, I think he'll like that. Um, but yeah, I, it's one of these things where this is what's happening and this is what has happened. And the, 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 the scourge of fake news makes people believe not only that nothing is true, but mm-hmm. also that everybody has their own truth and it's okay. And yeah. you can behave badly because you can be because you are living your truth. Exactly. Without any thought to anyone else around you, you are just, that's what freedom now means. It means you are free to do whatever the hell you want no. without any consequences, even though you live, and I'm going to say it, you live in a society. Yeah. Quote George Costanza, we live in a society. <laughs> and I think that's an excellent, actually an excellent place to stop for today. Um, do you have anything to plug, Ken? 
Nothing to plug. Follow Nothing me plug. At, Ken, at Ken Herndon on Twitter. I'm all, sure. often retweeting interesting things about yes. archives and special collections if yes. that floats your boat or uh, Tolkien-related things if that, that also floats your boat. Ken has a very that. nice library, some of which I can see behind him right now. <laughs> uh, There's more coming, too. Oh, good. Nice to hear. Yeah. Uh, where, where did you used to keep all those books? Oh, uh, they were all in different rooms at okay. 184 Upton. So now okay. th this is just the Tolkien books behind me. <laughs> so I've collocated them together. Uh, you know, some people actually think this is like a fake Zoom background. It's just going to take a picture of that. That's, that. that's actually going on Twitter. These are just the Tolkien books. Nice. Uh, and uh, yes, Ken's an actual librarian. Folks, I can guarantee you those are organized somehow. There is know. an order. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> There is a logic to it all. Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. You can follow me on Twitter at the Broadback. Uh, you want to listen to other things I do? How about Broken Area? Listen to me as well. Go shopping. Broken-area.com. Uh, Sterling Cooper, David Steve, scdspodcast.com, I think. And that's where Steve Clucci and I talk about Mad Men every week. And there's other things I do find them. I don't know. I can't even remember anymore. There's so many of them. Oh, the thing with my friend Dan from Russia right now is at DaveBroadback.com and on the Dave Solo thing feed. Eventually it will have its own feed. On that note, I will talk to you again in the future. Ken. Later. Later.